Talking Illinois High School Football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome into View from the West podcast, the podcast covering Illinois high school football on the western side of the state of Illinois. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, and this is the start of our season previews. We're starting with the Northwest Upstate Illini Conference and eight-man football. So you know if we're starting in the Northwest Upstate Illini, we're bringing in my man from NUIC football, Kyle Campmeyer. Kyle, I know if we're on a Zoom call together, that means that football is here. Hey, it's about time. I mean, we talked about it earlier this year when we were talking about some things going on. And uh, here we are, and it's about time to get going. So you're here. Mitch is not. Mitch is traveling. He's in Dallas. He says it's for work. I'm not sure he's still working tonight, but, you know, out to dinner, doing whatever he's doing. He can't be bothered right now. That's fine. That's fine. The podcast comes second tonight. That's fine. So while he's while he's in Dallas, we'll have to find things to talk about here, you and I, in, in the Northwest Upstate Line. I'm sure you can figure out something to talk about for the next hour, right? Oh, yeah. I think between <laughs> me and you, we'll have it covered. Yeah, that's if exactly Mitch comes, right. he comes. That's right. So Mitch may, Mitch may join us. He may not. We'll see. It's, uh, you know, we're on his schedule, but we'll, we'll get started here. Of course, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Breedlove Sporting Goods, Western Illinois' premier sporting goods store for uniforms, apparel, equipment, awards, and online team stores. They provide all the same sporting goods services like the big nationwide companies, but with a faster turnaround and their uniform pricing at a fraction of the cost that you're probably used to. They have the name brands, Adidas, Under Armour, Nike, and are extremely responsive with inquiries. With a primary focus on the western side of the state of Illinois, Breedlove Sporting Goods is the fastest way to outfit your team. Check them out on Facebook, or you can head to breedlovesports.com or shoot an email to calbreedlove at calbreedlove at gmail.com. All right, it's time to jump in. We're starting in the Northwest Upstate Illini. And Kyle, if we're starting in the NUIC, I think we say it, well, at least the last three years, we've said the same thing. We got to start with the team on top. We got to start with the King. That's Lena Winslow. They 14 and 0 once again, one a state champions. They've now won it three years in a row. You know, what do you, what do you say about this team, about this program that hasn't already been said, but here we are, it's a new year. It's a new roster. And it, you know, it's time to dive into it and see what do they have bringing back? And are they going to keep up at that high level? Yeah. I mean, that's one of the talks of, what Lena Winslow is. And I don't think anybody will be surprised when we open up the preseason rankings and see them rank number one in state to start the year. I think at this point in time, they're kind of expected to be there as well. Uh, coming back after uh, winning their third consecutive state title. And of course you got uh, a lot of people out there that are heavily favoring them again for another run for a state championship, uh, regardless of what, um, coach Aaron may be saying about them, you know, he's very great at deflecting information off. Um, but I know at the same time, they're very excited with what they have coming in. Unfortunately, unlike years past, they do have a lot of holes that they do need to fill this year. Um, where we're used to seeing them have few holes to fill and, and, and able to keep continue to complement that with, other returners and this year they're going to rely heavily on gage dunker yeah gage dunker definitely a name that was on my list along with nick tippett at running back 
you know, Dunker will also be on the defensive side of the ball as an outside linebacker. Um, Odin Strabenow at defensive line, Tanner Kempel, a defensive lineman as well. Two names to watch out for. I got to give a shout out to Coach Aaron. He was the very first coach to respond to our uh, our preseason form. He had it in right away. But I, I will say, I will say his insight for what areas do you need to improve? Kyle, his answer was everywhere. Every area they need to improve. If they're 14-0 and three-time defending state champions and they need to improve everywhere, what does the rest of the league need to do? Well, to be quite <laughs> honest, in his defense, if you're not looking to improve, how do you how do you expect to keep getting better? I get it. That's a good that's a good head coach. I'm I'm ribbing him. I'm giving him a little, you know, <laughs> but it's true. That's that's a sign of a good coach and a good program, right? You're never you're never settling. They're gonna have depth on the offensive and defensive line, which I think is always key. And they're going to have that good team speed. Kyle, I got to imagine this is a team that you envision is going to be at or near the top of the NUIC when it's all, when it all shakes out. Absolutely. I mean, right now, just looking through their schedule, you know, that they, they open up relatively easily with West Carroll. Then they kind of run into Fulton Stockton and Dakota before they head down week five to Decatur to play St. Teresa. So, I mean, in years past, this tends to prove to be a very uh, easy opening few weeks here for Lena Winslow to really allow them to get uh, the train rolling, so to speak, to play Panther football of what we've become accustomed to see over the past, you know, 13, 14 years now. And, and, and then the last half of their schedule is where it really starts to pick up a little bit after St. Teresa with Dupec. Uh, in week six and then you have forest and looming there in week nine yep well you know this the nuic schedule you know it never disappoints later you get in the year there's a key matchup two or three key matchups every week that you're going to look to and you brought them up Forreston. let's jump into the forest and cardinals they finished the year eight and five they were five and four in the regular season then made a run to the semifinals and i got to give you credit on the playoff preview show you called it you said this is a team that could very easily make that march out there, and they did. I mean, what what did you see on that team then that that you thought you know had that potential? Well, I just looked at a few of their the, the losses that they had, and you know it, it hurts me to say it, but at the same time, it, it, it part of it's true. You know, the loss to Dakota. I said it on the playoff show. It wasn't a game that I felt Dakota. Or, Dakota should have won in that regular season. I felt that Forreston was the better team of which, you know, when you look hindsight is always 2020, obviously Forreston did get that win in the quarterfinals over Dakota, but it was still a very highly contested game. I mean, Dakota had an early lead. Um, they had opportunities still late in the game. They just didn't make it happen. So, you know, looking back, I was probably a little premature in saying that, you know, Forrest and lost that game and they shouldn't have. I mean, Dakota did earn that win, yep. but I just felt that, you know, you took a look at the injuries that Forrest and sustained, even in that semifinal game, they're down five starters in that game. And, um, their rushing attack, the, the way that they can move the ball, their, their line play was solid you could just see that there were things that were there that if they could get them all going at the same time and, and the way the playoff pairings fell out, 
you could just see it was an opportunity for them to make the run that they did. And that's really what I went off of. And, and, and you know, Coach Janicki and his staff did an excellent job at that. Yeah, well, I mean, pivoting to 2023 now, a new season. But like you said, one of, one of Coach Janicki's big points that he um, referenced in the preseason form was to stay healthy. They had so many guys out in that semifinal game that, you know, the, you know, you're trying to mix and match and find things that work that late in the playoffs. It gets tough. So the big thing for them this year, staying healthy. What he really likes about this team is senior leadership. So I think he has a lot of experienced seniors now that they saw that run into the semifinals and they fell short against Lena Winslow, but they were there, right They're They've had that playoff football. And like we've talked about for a bunch of playoff teams, how many extra practices did that team get just out of that playoff run? You know, like that stuff is valuable. So he's talked a lot about coach Janicki talked about having a tremendous summer lifting. Uh, their attendance was great. And this work ethic of this senior team. So you know, you look at some of the seniors on this roster, Caleb Sanders, a running back and a linebacker. He really did the job on both sides of the football for him a year ago. Um, almost a thousand yards, had 49 tackles, um, 13 total touchdowns back on the offensive side of the ball. Another senior, Micah Nelson, a running back, defensive back. He was a first team DB, um, but he was one of the players that was out season ending shoulder surgery at the end of the year. He's now going to be a three-year starter. Um, they have linemen like Ethan Bacher, Zach Schumann, both back, plus Grant Johnson, another senior. A lot of experience coming back on this Forest and team. This this Forest and team on paper looks better than five and four, right? Oh, by far. You know, I I think I have um in our preseason going eight and one with the potential of possibly seven and two, you know, that Dupec game is one of those games that I could see going either way. And right now I, I think I have forced and favored in that just due to the strength of schedule Dupec has at the end of their schedule. And um, despite that, you know, you take a guy like Ethan Bacher, for instance, and you heard how last season, you know, Keno is very high on uh, Ethan and his gameplay and how they were going to move him to left tackle or right tackle and um, how they were going to plan to utilize him in their offense and usually lead their running game behind him. And, you know, those are the things that, you know, are a strength for Forston. You hear a lot of people are like, oh, Forston's not anything or not anything. And then you look and they're like, well, let's see. They got a couple running backs back. They got three offensive linemen back, and they're going to do what Forreston does. You know, that's like uh, Keenan was joking me. He goes, do you really need to know what my offense is? You should know <laughs> it right now, you know. And he's right. I mean, they're going to come at you with the double wing. They're going to double dive you. They're going to lead you. They're going to run the uh, buck sweeps, and they're, they're, they're not going to do anything flashy, and they're going to stick yep. to their simple – offense and it works for them and they do a great job of executing it yeah well and absolutely when you you know have that sort of offense you know and that sort of mentality that leadership becomes valuable that these kids are bought into it and they know what they're doing and they're ready to execute what i thought was really interesting that coach janicky pointed out was they're really focused on special teams this year and improving their special teams play every loss they had last year included a kick return for a touchdown so I mean, that's a glaring, you know, that's a glaring point of emphasis then. So th that's an interesting note that they're really trying to shore up special teams. Um, you know, I think Forreston, like you said, I think they should be one of the teams that's absolutely a team to watch. I think five and, five and four last year appeared to be an outlier at the end of the regular season, and they proved it, that that maybe wasn't 
indicative of what they actually are. And I think this year they have a, you know, a chance to kind of rewrite that and be a different team. Yeah. And I don't think anybody throughout the States overlooking that fact. I mean, obviously that semifinal run entering the playoffs as a five and four was definitely a staple point. They have the history and recent success behind them since 2014 with three state titles. I mean, outside of Arcola squeezing in that one state title, they're the only other team to win a state title outside of Lena Winslow. (laughs) Yeah, And they've done it three times and all three times they've had to go through Lena Winslow to get there as well. So, um, you know, there's, there's, different things there and you know taking a look at some of the people on the the talk show or not the talk shows but the uh talk forums and everything you know there's a lot of high regard for forced and i see you know a lot of people putting out their preseason rankings and granted it doesn't mean anything but it's still interesting to talk about and there's a lot of people that definitely have forced and ranked in their top four heading into the preseason of the seat of this year yeah, yeah, I believe it. Yeah, I can absolutely see why. Well, let's move into another team that was in the Class 1A playoffs last year. The Fulton Steamers made it to the 1A quarterfinals. They finished with a record of 9-3. and three. This year's team will look a little bit different than last year's team. This will be a fairly young team for the Steamers this season. Their success will be determined on how quickly those guys adjust and, you know, how much physicality they can bring to that varsity level football. That's, uh, you know, what coach lower had pointed out in his notes to me. Um, I think they will rely on some of that senior leadership that they have. One of those players being Balin Damehoff. He was making plays last year for him. He's back at a wide receiver position, big, tall wide receiver, 72 receptions, almost a thousand yards, 13 touchdowns. They'll certainly rely on him for the big play ability. What else do you see in uh, in Fulton this year? What do you like? Well, I Coach Laura didn't really announce it on here, so I don't know if he is coming back. I would assume he would be, but Lucas Schroeder definitely st- stood out a lot last year in the run game, and I know he was only a junior last year, so I'm assuming he's back. He ran for 812 yards and 13 touchdowns for the Steamers last season, so you know, that's one of the things that I think will definitely help balance Fulton off in talking to coach lower, you know, obviously, you know, his look into this year is very similar to what it was last year. You know, he's like, well, we could be five and four. We might be seven and two. We're just hoping that we're playing our best football by the time we hit the, the, the playoffs. And, you know, like you said, he's going to be a young team. He's going to have to rely on a lot of different things in order for the steamers to have success, but having the, uh, the success that they've had over the last, what, four seasons now, Yep. you know, they, they have a lot to build off on and, you know, your incoming kids and even, I mean, pretty much everybody that's here has experienced that success from freshman year through, uh, seventh grade, sixth grade. So they just want to be able to be the next class that continues that trend for the steamers. And that's what coach Laura is really hoping on and relying on is that these seniors will continue to help guide the ship and, and keep the steamers going forward. Guide the ship. That's a, you know, a pun, whether you meant it or not. <laughs> I didn't mean it, but a <laughs> um, couple guys, another um, couple guys to look at interesting name um to watch for sophomore landon lau a wide receiver six four you know coach talked about him being a fast wide receiver he's had a good summer for him 
you know, somebody who has good speed and can stretch the field, him alongside a Dame Hoff, and then senior uh, Trevor Teesman also as a wide receiver playing safety on the defensive side of the ball. They're going to be, you know, the target for Dom Kramer, a junior quarterback stepping in, labeled as a dual threat quarterback with a strong arm. So, you know, I think I like some of the pieces here that Fulton has, even if they're a younger team or maybe they haven't had as many starts under their belt. I think there's a lot of talent here. Oh, definitely. I mean, even moving Dom Kramer to QB, which he's only going to be a junior and, you know, I got to play against him this summer in baseball and you can definitely see the size and athleticism that he does have. Um, the very strong arm part, I, I've seen that firsthand. Um, and, and he, he is, he'll be a dual threat QB. So it gives the steamers a lot of options. And then if you take a look a little bit further down, you have AJ Boardman there who is going to be a running back and linebacker. And if anybody remembers, he was the quarterback at West Carroll for the last two years. So um, he transferred to Fulton right ahead of the baseball season. And um, he'll be there again this year for a senior year. And, you know, there's, there's options there. Now they don't obviously intend to use AJ as a quarterback, but there's another option, you know, to throw in another play. If you want to do a halfback option pass, it's available for them. So they got some, pieces to work with and, and put some extra uh, sauce, so to speak, into their play skills and, and, and their play calls. Yeah. Another couple of names that uh, coach threw out there, Skylar Crooks, a running back who will be a junior described as a fast physical runner that, you know, coach said he would get a lot of carries. Um, Jacob Husingay, a tight end. Um, I think I pronounced that right. Husinga Husingay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. All right. Got it. There we go. Uh, Josiah held and Landon Boonstra on the line. So another couple guys to watch for their sophomore and junior and those, you know, other two names I were also juniors. So like we said, a little bit of a younger roster, but maybe it's just the way the coach lower described all of them. But I, I like what I see here in Fulton. Maybe, maybe he just sold his players really well, but I like what I'm seeing here. Yeah. Like I said, you know, you could sit here and say that Fulton might be down this year because of the lack of experience. And yet, like I said, you hope that you can build off of that last year. I'd project them to be five and four and you know, they turned some heads when they upset Dupac over in Durand. And then, you know, they beat, they beat the teams that they were supposed to beat. And then yep. they had that game against all uh, oh, that school out of Michigan. And that was even a, a, a very close game that I felt that they should have won, had the opportunity to win, uh, missed a field goal late, unfortunately, but you know, it was sloppy playing conditions in that one, but you know, overall you could definitely, I felt last year after a couple weeks, I really felt that Fulton was probably the second best team, uh, in the state behind Lena Winslow. And, you know, some people, you can sit there and say that CPC was. I felt that CPC did a great job against Lena Winslow in the uh, state championship game, which they did. But no, nobody really could stop Lena Winslow last year. And, you know, Fulton was one of those teams that put a good scare into Lena Winslow. Yep. They just couldn't come up with it all the way through. And that's been their nemesis so far uh, since their arrival into the NUIC. Back-to-back -back quarterfinal losses to Lena Winslow. Um, after, you know, big routes in the regular season as well. So they they, do, they know what they got to look forward to, and 
they ha- they have the ability to make some noise this year. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, let's move ahead to the Galena Pirates. They were four and five a year ago, led by head coach Ed Freed. One trip to the playoffs since 2015. That came in 2021. So it's you know it's been a while since we've seen the you know top end Galena team you know year in and year out. Um, this is a young team that has had some success at the sophomore level, but what do you see out of this Galena team this year? Well, you got, you know, Jack Reese returning, Roman Romer and Keaton Bauer. Um, all three of those guys are big playmakers. Keaton Bauer is the last of the Bauer family. So, you know, you expect big things out of them. I haven't really been able to get a whole lot of information on Galena. Obviously, they were four and five last year. You know, we you could see them as potentially being a five and four team when you looked at them last year, you know, this year, I feel going into it, not having much knowledge on them, you know, I think I project them at two and seven for the season, just because of the matchups and the teams that they have, you know, and I, and of course I expect teams like EPC who they beat last year and Stockton who they beat last year to be teams that are going to be on the rise as well and what are able to contend with and potentially beat Galena and that's probably why I got them a little bit lower is due to lack of experience returning um I just don't have a whole lot of information on them I mean I'm not I'm not one of those guys that goes out. I don't go and watch the fresh off games ever since they changed them to Mondays. I just, I don't have that time and availability to go watch fresh off football games. And, and to be quite honest, you know, you see teams like, like a forest in every year, you know, they're, they're maybe four and five or five and four at the fresh soft level. But then you look at them at the varsity level the very next year and they're, they're, they're going <laughs> eight and one, seven and two, and they're making a quarterfinal or semifinal trip, you know? So I don't put a whole lot of stock into fresh soft football because so much changes between your sophomore and junior year and yep. you know things things just shift and um the better programs always tend to be towards the top of the conference standings and galena was once the the god of the nuic and they've they've fallen off and they really just haven't gotten quite back on track yet yep let's move right along one of the teams that you'd mentioned maybe being on the rise eastland pearl city they were three and six a year ago but they had a win over Dakota and I felt like there was a few games that they were in and just maybe didn't quite get to the finish line. But this year's team, you know, uh, according to the coach, um, they'll be fast um, on defense. They have skilled players that are very talented. Um, They're going to be young up front. Their, you know, offensive line will be two sophomores and three juniors, but some of that experience coming in the skill positions, I think there's a lot of weapons here for this Eastland pro city team. Oh, definitely. I mean, you got somebody not even listed on here in in Jackson Kemple. He's going to be a junior. He's actually the returning leading rusher that they have. Okay, Brady Swite, Brady Schweitzer definitely proved to be a a big playmaker for EPC last year. Um, Ethan Petta was is a returning wide receiver. I'm not sure who they're going to have at uh, quarterback. Um, but you, you have options. There's a, a sophomore coming in who's not listed on here, Javin Zier. He's a very physical player. Um, we'll probably be getting some opportunities either on offense and or defense, and he could be a game changer. Uh, obviously, you got another sophomore there and Will Burchin, who is a linebacker. 
um, actually led the NUIC in tackles last year as a freshman. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're definitely going to have some good skilled players. And and like you said, yes, they're, they're going to be fast. I think last year they, they, they proved that they were young, but that they were physical. And like you said, there was a couple games where you felt like they were in it. I mean, like you said, they took down Dakota, um, yep. but there was a couple games where, you know, they lost in, they left you scratching your head. Like, how did you lose to that team by that big of a score? And, um, you know, when you got young teams, you have growing pains. And I think that's where EPC was at last year. And I, I definitely feel that they're going to be a team that, and other teams are not going to overlook EPC. You know, we, we keep talking about the strength of the NUIC. And I think this is one of those years where you're going to see a, a lot of, closer games you know lena winslow's for so long has been the stronghold over the conference granted they're going to be very strong but i think you're going to see some other teams that are finally going to be able to at least try their best to put up better competition against teams like lena winslow and forest yeah uh the this eastland pearl city team is kind of one of those you know, teams where I look at a lot of games on their schedule of what I call those like X factor games, the game that could go either way that really goes a long way in determining who's playoff bound and who's not, you know, that, that race to five wins in a conference like the Northwest upstate Illini, they're going to have a lot of games against the, you know, Stockton Galena. Um, you know, th- those are those type of X factor games, I think. So I, I'm excited to see what Eastland Pearl city can do. Cause I think, like you said, there's, you know, there were some things you saw last year where they were right in it. Well, and that goes back to that point, you know, obviously you're going to have some teams that are going to fall under expectations. Somebody's going to have to finish with three wins. Somebody's going to finish with four wins. Who is it going to be? And I mean, really you could, I feel like you could take the second or third team in the conference down to the eighth team in the conference um, outside of Lena Winslow. You could throw them all in a bag, throw, dump the bag (laughs) out and, put them in whatever order you want. And that's how I feel this season very well could be. Um, You know, a lot of people were chirping when I put Galena at two and seven, they're like, Oh, you don't don't know what's coming, blah, blah, blah. Of course I hear that every year. Um, (laughs) From every team that you put down there. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then (laughs) then more times than not, you know, it tends to be the case that, Hey, I had you at two and seven, you went one and eight. What the heck, you know? (laughs) So, um, but at the same token, you know, this, I really feel this year is going to be a, a, a dog eat dog world in the NUIC and it's yeah. going to be battle tested. And if, if you're coming out of it in the playoffs, I, I, I mean, class one, a still going to be pretty weak around the board and, you know, we can definitely see another five and four team getting a good run in the playoffs. Once again, I feel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, every year you look at the Northwest upstate Illini and you find teams that their, their record is not what, you know, what they probably truly are. And the playoffs will come to, to prove that, you know, around the state. Well, before we jump into the rest of the Northwest upstate Illini, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. If you're looking for the perfect gift for your high school football player, check out Matthewson's mini helmets. They offer totally custom mini helmets or decals for your school. Find them on Facebook or on Twitter. We are thrilled to introduce the Matthewson's Mini Helmets Player of the Week Award this season. 
The best performance from our area will receive a custom view from the West mini helmet customized to include the player's name and their school, along with, of course, the view from the West logo. So bound to be some players from eight man football or Northwest upstate Alina. They're going to get one of those helmets. I'm pretty sure of that. So you can find Matthewson's mini helmets again on Facebook and on Twitter. If you also are looking for uniforms, Brink Sportswear offers totally custom made-to-order football uniforms that allow coaches and athletic directors to take control of their brands. The uniforms are available in sublimated or tackle twill. They offer free digital mock-ups, free shipping on team orders, and free physical samples before you buy so you know exactly what you're getting when you spend all that money, all, when you spend that program, your program's money. Uniform sets are available for $99 for sublimated, $120 for tackle twill. You can find them on Twitter, or you can head to brinksportswear.com. All right, let's keep going down the way here. The Northwest Upstate Illini continues with Dakota. Playoff team from a year ago. They got a couple playoff wins, ended up in the state quarterfinals, ended up at 7-5. and five. They do find themselves with a new head coach. Eric Didich steps in to take over coaching responsibilities. That's a late switch. Um, Dan Sheets was relieved of his duties. He is out. Uh, there are news stories out there. You can go ahead and read about it. Um, tough situation in Dakota. Eric Didich steps in. What do you know about Coach Didich? It seems like he has a good resume. I mean, to step in, he's been it with the program, and he's been around football for quite a while. Yeah, I, you know, he... He's from East Dubuque originally. He played at uh, Wallert Catholic in Dubuque, and then he played four years at NIU, started three of those four years on the defensive line. Um, so he's got experience in Division One football. Uh, last year he was the defensive coordinator for Dakota as well, so he was definitely a, a part of uh, help guiding this team to the quarterfinal run. And, you know, he's a – He's a very intense guy, um, demands perfection and has expectations that, you know, you have to be doing certain things a certain way in order to uh, find success. I mean, it's typical of most coaches, especially one with the level and caliber of, um, you know, player that he was. Uh, you you expect those things, and uh, you know it, it's going to probably take a little bit getting used to because you know, like we talked about last year, we're in that age where some some kids that are going out for football are a little bit softer than what they were in years past. And when you get a coach that expects and demands uh, certain performances, you know you you send you tend to see some kids decide, ah, this isn't for me anymore. So um, we'll see how it it pans out, but you know, I think the outlook for Dakota with Diddish in places is going to be pretty good. Um, I, I think that we can definitely see Dakota right in the mix of the thick of the NUIC again, uh, fighting for an opportunity and make it back to the playoffs. You know, they were a team that kind of surprised us last year and they kind of jumped on the radar with that big win. Like we talked about over Forreston in a real back and forth, great game. One of the games of the year last year, um, but the following week, they kind of stubbed their toe and they lost to that Eastland Pearl City team that finished at three and six. So, you know, they ended up making the playoffs. They had two playoff wins. So the program is definitely trending in the right direction. What I mean, you're familiar with some of the players out there. What do you see coming back? What what excites you? What do you like? 
Well, I mean, Dakota returns a lot of their a lot of their line. You have Noah Wenzel, Kamari Spates, and Avery Bowers all returning on the line. Braxton Niedermeyer's returning at tight end, which he'll be utilized in a receiver role at times, but as a blocking tight end a lot too. Um, I think you're you, you're going to see Dakota kind of transition. Um, back to a triple option type offense with the ability to throw out of it. They're going to move Nolan Mayberry to quarterback last year. He was a receiver uh, started on the defense at defensive back. So he'll return to that position. Um, you're going to see Connor Matthews take over the fullback responsibilities last year. It belonged to Tommy Bowman. Connor did get some uh, carries last year. He had 47 attempts for 272 yards, but he's definitely going to see more of the bulk this year. Tristan Alexander had uh, some playing time uh, last year as well as a junior. He's going to be um, taking the bulk of the halfback carries this year as well. So I think you're going to find a good mix there, and I wouldn't be surprised to see um, them use Nolan as a as a dual-threat quarterback, um, able to run. Um, he's a, he, he was – Used to play baseball, went out for track last year, so he's got good speed. Um, is really a, a um, good playmaker, uh, very heady, uh, has a good football IQ. So, you know, having that transition to have him at the quarterback position has been huge. He's been one of the biggest leaders I've seen on the team this year uh, so far as well. So, I mean, when you have that senior leadership, Obviously, good things can happen. A lot of these guys, um, like I said, they were on last year's team. Uh, so they have that success, and then they've seen success in other sports as well, uh, whether it be wrestling or baseball. So they want to continue to grow on that. So um, hopefully everything works out in their favor. Like we just referenced with Eastland Pearl City, this Dakota team, again, seems like one of those X-Factor teams that we're going to see several matchups that – you know, kind of toss up games that, you know, like you said, throw them in a bag and just roll it out and see what you get. And, you know, they're toss up games and those games will go a long way in determining who sits where in the, in the NUIC standings. Well, let's keep rolling down the list. Wes Carroll uh, struggled last year at 0 and 9. Michael Bixler takes over for his second stint at Wes Carroll. Um, Kyle, what do you know about coach Bixler? And, you know, he's coming in here as a head coach. For a second time. Yeah, he was with Dakota uh, in their first two state championship runs as an assistant coach under Jerry Lano. So he was with Dakota in 05 and 07. Um, ended up going down to West Carroll where he was head coach there for four years. Um, and then he left and um, now he's back. I, I can't remember exactly where he went. I think he went somewhere in, I believe it was in Iowa. He went when he left West Carroll the first time, but now he's back to take over West Carroll after uh, <clears throat> they, they had that opening here at the end of the regular season as that concluded. Um, and uh, you know, there's a lot of things. West Carroll obviously went 0 nine last year coming back after sitting out a year, and, and they were a very uh, young team, and they're still going to be a young team this year, but they are going to have another year under their belts. As we mentioned, you know, they're, one of their biggest playmakers was A.J. Boardman, who transferred to Fulton. So they're going to have to rely on some uh, younger guys to take over. And, you know, Roger LeBourne is one of those guys that I've 
he he got a lot of playing time as a freshman last year. He'll be a sophomore this year. And, you know, there's there's high expectations for Roger and um, the athleticism that he has hopefully can help guide West Carroll into the win column. They're very confident that they should be able to get some wins under their belt. Obviously, they'll have Connor Townsend back, who led the team in tackles last year. And you have Aaron Becker back as well, uh, who led the team in uh, receiving yards with 294 yards and three touchdowns. So, you know, some key pieces to work with, but there's still there's still a lot to do in order to come back from an 0-9 season, especially in a conference as we continue to state we're expecting a lot of teams that can be able to play for potential playoff opportunities. Yeah, I think, you know, you named, you know, a couple guys there that, you know, coming back, a leading tackler and a wide receiver and, you know, LeBourne at quarterback. But also, you know, you got to look at how how much depth you have on a line and, you know, what's your defense look like, you know, outside of the leading tackler. I think, yeah, there's a lot of questions that come with being in the NUIC that where, you know, where can you find those victories? You know, we wish them the best of luck and, you know, hopefully that they can bounce back because last year was tough and no one no one wants to go 0-9. So, uh, you know, I think, like you mentioned, they have a couple pieces there that, you know, it's nice to have that experience back regardless of even if it didn't work out last year, you still have that varsity game speed. You've seen it, you know, so we'll see what they can do uh, this year uh, in 23. Well, let's head to Stockton, 3-6 and six a year ago. Uh, led by head coach Sean Downey. Uh, what Coach Downey likes is a great group of seniors. Um, they put in the hard work, and they are trying to build this program back to what people expect Stockton to be. He thinks they have a nice mix of athletes and linemen, and they're hoping that they can find a little bit of depth in there. Um, you know, what have you seen? What have you heard out of Stockton? Well, obviously, you know, they were 3-6 and six last year. To a lot of people, that was an underperformance. That's part of how Sean Downey became the head coach. Um, previous head coach, Matt Lightson, um, whether it be resigned on his own, forced to resign, whatever that storyline may have been, either way, he stepped down. And Sean Downey was on his staff last year as the offensive coordinator. He has taken over. Um, if you. Those that don't know, Sean Downey was the offensive coordinator for EPC during their big years, including their 2014 state championship run. And one of the biggest things that he added to his coaching staff this year was um, Randy Ashey to his staff, who was the head coach that he was the offensive coordinator under at EPC for a decade. Um, so those two have done an, a, a, a lot of work together and, you know, one of the big things for Stockton, and you can see it on social media, is they're definitely hitting the weight room, and, and they're making huge, fast gains in the weight room, and a lot of that can be credited to having Randy Ashey on staff. He's brought a, a whole different uh, weightlifting program that I'm sure he's learned through uh, being close with ISU, having his son play for the Redbirds, and then, you know, of course, being – um, in the mix with things with EPC for a decade as well. He, I, you know, he's a he's a big guy himself. So he, there's a lot of things he knows, and he's definitely been pushing that with Stockton. And like I said, the results are showing in the weight room. So they're they're very excited 
with a lot of these guys um, like Tanner Guile and Carl Hubbett running back. Michael Haas is a big dude that's going to be on the offensive and defensive lines. Same with Wesley Logeman. So, you know, there's a lot of excitement here. Um, and, and to be quite honest, uh, in talking with uh, some people from Stockton, they're not going to be satisfied if they're going four and five. They're, they're, their goal is be five and four, six and three, and in the thick of things and back in the playoffs where they feel Stockton football belongs. Yeah, absolutely. That would be fun to see because, uh, um, you know, a Saturday, a fall Saturday in Stockton is a great playoff atmosphere. I've been there several times. I do enjoy going out to Stockton for a football game and getting back to, you know, the Eastland Pearl City connection. When Sean Downey was leading that offense, they were electric. Obviously, they won state championship. Like they, they were a dynamic offense. So that is something really interesting to follow. And with having Coach Ashy in there, like you said, I think that's a great, you know, a great connection to have for the Stockton program to so see where they can end up. Again, one of those teams that it's going to be a lot of toss-up games throughout their season. And if they can come out on top of several of them, they're going to be a playoff team again. So. Last but certainly not least in the 11-man Northwest Upstate Illini, Dupec, the Dupec Rivermen. They were 8-3 and three a year ago. They lost in the second round to Reed Custer, 24-6, led by Tyler Hoffman. Coach Hoffman got back to us with his preseason form, says they have a good amount of depth at their skill positions, and uh, if their line can mesh together, he believes that'll be a big strength as well. Um as you, you know, as you've seen, this program is kind of continually building and they've, they've kind of become, it's kind of funny that as you watch Dupex kind of become a program that's kind of grown up around our podcast, right? Like when they were first starting to build pieces, we were kind of just starting the podcast. So I feel like as we've gotten, you know, as we've gone on, they've continued to become a mainstay. What do you see this year in this, uh, in this Dupex team? Well, it's kind of funny because Dupec with their co-op, and I say this a lot, but they remind me of EPC when they first went into a co-op. They had to go through two bumpy years, uh, taking losing programs together and creating a winning environment. Dupec did the exact same thing, and um, now they're 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 benefiting off the fruits of that labor. And you know, I agree with. Coach Hoffman's assessment, you know, needs to improve uh, their offensive line. I feel that that's definitely an area of concern. They lost the the most amount of starters there. The skill guys are definitely going to be there. You got Jalen Noud back. You got Cooper Hoffman at quarterback. Um, you're going to have a couple guys like Drew Williams and Brody Black and Nathan Folk. Hopefully he's coming back after uh, having a broken ankle. Um, so the skill guys are there. They're going to have team speed. The, the line's going to be the biggest thing for me. Um, you know, you got Jackson Diedrich back at tight end. He put on some spectacular catches as a sophomore last year. Expect big things out of him again this year as a junior. But if they can't get protection around Hoffman, you're going to, you're going to find Dupac having some struggles and, um, you know, taking a look at how they're they're changing the landscape again. Another program that has a lot of buy into the weight room, getting a lot of commitment to that weight room. So, you know, those things 
tend to take care of themselves, so to speak. So, you know, one of the things I did notice though, is their line looks like they may be smaller than what we're used to seeing in years past out of Dupac, which could bode to be in a, a little bit more of an athletic line at the same time. And, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, we've seen those teams where their lines aren't very big, but if they become athletic and explosive, that turns a whole different game around too, especially with a dual threat QB like Hoffman back there. I mean, Cooper's game's definitely di different than what his older brother Hunter's game was. Hunter was one of those pocket type passers. Cooper's one of those guys. He's looking, reading one, two run. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, there, there, there's a lot of coaches that do feel that, you know, Hey, Dupac's right there in the mix. Now they're no longer, well, they haven't been a slouch for quite a while, Yeah, but you know, they're, like you said, since you guys have started your podcast, we've already seen Dupec win a conference title. They were there in the thick of things last year going 7-2. and two. They put up a great game against Reed Custer in the second round of the playoffs, who yep. narrowly had a loss to Byron in the quarterfinals the very next week. So they're right there knocking on that door. And, you know, like I said, they've always been that offensive line away from being really, really good because their skill guys are right there. And this is one of those years where they might be able to make that change. Yep. Yep. Well, that, that wraps up our NUIC 11 man coverage. So Kyle, I'll put you on the spot. I know you already sent out the tweet with the chalkboard on it. So you've already kind of given your predictions. Who's who's on top, who finishes the year on top. Well, I mean, I got to go with the team that's been on top for a while and that's, yeah. Lindo. I mean, Outside of Coach Aaron, who, you know, states that, you know, he could see Dupec or Forrest to win it and everybody else is chasing them or whatever it was that he said, however <laughs> he said it. Either way, <clears throat> everybody else says it's Lena Winslow's conference until somebody steps up to beat them. Yep. They're the they're the kings on top, and, and that's truly what it is. And, you know, that's one of the things, you know, Coach A knows that he's got the target on his back. Everybody across the state knows that the target's on Lena Winslow's back. And, you know, you hear you hear him talk about things like, you know, it's a lot of pressure put on the kids and whatnot. But I think that they're that program that kind of welcomes that pressure, so to speak, because they know that, hey, if we're not going to do what we need to do to execute and win games, then we expect to get our blocks knocked off. So, um, yeah, Lena Winslow is my pick to win the conference. All right. I will agree. Lena Winslow is also my pick to win the conference, but maybe the harder question, who finishes second? That, that was a tough one. I definitely tossed that one around for quite a bit and I couldn't pick whether I wanted to go with Forster and Dupec. And like I said, you take a look at Dupec's schedule at the end of the year, they got a gauntlet. They go Lena Winslow, Fulton, Forston and then Belleville Altoff. Oh, jeez, yeah. Um, if they cut, if Dupec can come out of that with a three and one record, to me, that's going to be absolutely outstanding. And they would go eight and one at that point, provided that it, they don't have a hiccup earlier in the year. They're going to get a good test right out of the gates with Stockton at home, okay. so that will be a very good game. I feel. Um, I do have Dupac pick to win that game. Um, but I, th right now I think Forreston has the ability 
to up and do Peck because I feel that Forreston, as we talked about, they have a much stronger line coming back with more experience on the line. And we all know in high school football, especially small school football, offensive and defensive lines win your games for you. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of like tiptoe around the question. My, my second place team, I agree. I look at Forreston or Dupec, but a team I'll put on the radar is Fulton. I think that there's potential there that there's some unknowns, right? But if those, if those unknowns, I think really show up and if, you know, if they're put in the right spots, I think that they execute. I think that's a team, like you said, last year, you know, they ended up with a better record than you anticipated or that you expected. So it's another team I'll toss out there. So that's a non-answer answer. I'm not really going to pin it down, but (laughs) (laughs) all right. Well, before we jump into our eight man football talk, Let's once again thank our sponsors. We got to thank the Cupcake Cartel. Gourmet cupcakes made to order over 40 flavors, including wedding cake, lemon blueberry, strawberry milkshake, or snickerdoodle. Perfect for weddings, birthdays, fundraisers, showers, or even, hear me out, cupcakes for a view from the West listening party, right? We could try that. We could try that. If you, <laughs> Kyle agrees. Yep, there you go. You can find the Cupcake Cartel on Facebook. We want to thank them for their support. The Quad City's first and only fantasy football show, For Fantasy Sake, has you all covered when it comes to all of your fantasy football needs. The guys come to you live every Sunday morning during the football season from 10 to 11.30. They've got the best analysis, rankings, DFS, and gambling advice between the Rock and Mississippi Rivers. So tune in to For Fantasy Sake every Sunday during the football season from 10 to 11.30 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. All right, let's make the pivot to eight-man football. Kyle, when it comes to eight-man football, the Northwest, the teams from the Northwest Upstate Illini have certainly made a name for themselves in eight-man football over the years. But if we're starting the eight-man conversation this year, we have to start with West Central. What they did last year was remarkable. They ran their way to a state championship, literally ran at the buzzer over Polo in one of the maybe wildest finishes you'll ever see. Caden Drosty had a year that it's unforgettable, kind of the the way he put them on the map and the way he literally carried them. Um, But this is a new year. This is a new look for Jason Kirby. You start looking around, they have returning starters such as Blake Cole on the line, Hunter Schrader at tight end, Isaiah Stevenson at fullback. At um, fullback, But, you know, just what they did last year was remarkable. What do they do for an encore? You know, what, what, what can they do? I think what's really interesting is that this group, you know, according to Coach Kirby, they're really motivated to take that ownership of their own. They know that the group last year was uber talented and that they've graduated and they're ready to jump in and make a name for themselves. That's exciting for a program like West central to kind of have that buy-in and have that desire to like, want to take the next step, you know, that target on your back. That's what you talked about with Lena Winslow. That's exciting for West central to have that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like coach Kirby stated, you know, ever since they've joined eight, man, they've, they've really been right there. You take a look at the COVID year. They went undefeated that year. They had a big win against uh, Polo that year yep. as well to finish six and zero on the year. Um, and then the next year, you know, they were ousted by Polo in the playoffs. So last year was kind of fitting where, you know, Polo had the lead, with what 24 seconds left in the game or whatever it crazy was. yep 
West Central's facing fourth down in 26 <laughs> or whatever it was, you know, and, and basically you got one play and you got to give it to your best player. And Drosty runs literally through like five guys to make it to the end zone for the win. He, he and, would not be, would not be denied is the only way to describe it. Yeah, I mean, he. I remember talking to him about that play, and he was running towards the polo sideline. Yeah. Realized that he could not step out of bounds, and he just made a right turn to Albuquerque <laughs> and went uphill, and that was it. And that's all he remembers. <laughs> and that's about what it looked like. Yep, yep. That's amazing. It's incredible. So, so. I mean, as you said, he was a phenomenal player, and, you know, I don't want to say generational player, but he had a talent, a speed that you don't see every single day. And, um, you know, a playmaker behind a relatively big size line for West Central. I felt that if you put that team together uh, in 11 man football, I think they would have been dangerous in class one. A last year as an 11 man team as well. Um, you know, the only question mark there would have been overall depth at that point, but up front and the skills, they were physical, they were fast. And and I think they could have made some noise in class one, a last year. And like you said, it was no surprise to see him run through eight man. The only question marks that had last year were, you know, how strong is their regular season schedule? And, you know, we were getting a lot of criticism where we had them ranked number four, number five in state. And, you know, slowly as the season went on, you continued to see them move up because that then they started to get in that part of their schedule where they're getting some wins against some better teams, Ridgewood being one of them, where they just knocked the socks off of them. And uh, by that time, you know, we had already seen Amboy go down. We watched Polo go down. Milledgeville went down. And then – Eventually, uh, MCP went down, and that left West Central as the only choice to be at number one because they were still going on at the pace that they had, and it, it was it was definitely an amazing year. How do they rebound this year? It's going to be tough, I think. Uh, you you lost a lot of talent. It's great that they have a lot of motivation to get back. They have those three guys in Blake Hunter and Isaiah to uh, rely on with experience. But we're talking eight man football and three guys. Yes, that can definitely help, but you still got five holes to fill, and they're they're going to have a tough time. I mean, you replace a very good uh, quarterback. You got the halfback and the fullback position, even though um, Isaiah is there to step in, he was not the starting fullback last year. So, um, you know, there's definitely some areas where they need to see some vast um, upside in early in the season. And um, they're they're definitely going to have their hands full. I think Ridgewood is going to be a team that's going to be towards the top of eight man, and they're going to have to face them in divisional play. And then, you take a look at some of their games um, outside of that, and you know they have Pawnee, which we think will be good, yep. and they have to play MCP again. And, and people down in Scioto think West Prairie is going to have a a better team than they had last year. So they get they definitely got some games on their schedule that are going to give them some fits uh, with the team that they have this year. 
Yeah. Well, let's keep going down the list here. The team you referenced in Ridgewood, who will be one of their divisional opponents. They finished nine and three last year. Head coach Pat Elder did a great job of kind of getting this team, you know, the, really on board and really jumping into eight man football. And they, and they showed well for themselves. They have, you know, five players with significant experience at key positions and, you know, coaches hoping that their leadership helps some of their younger players. He mentioned that they will need to develop a little bit in offensive and defensive line, just with some inexperience, but with some of the playmakers they have coming back, Preston Moriarty at running back and defensive back. We called him out a lot last year. Uh, Riley Couture at quarterback and uh, Roy Sandberg at running back and linebacker. You know, those are some offensive weapons for him on the defensive side of the ball. Taylor Schnook at linebacker, Moriarty at defensive back, like we referenced. You have uh, uh, Connor McKeague and uh, Roy Sandberg again over there on the defensive side of the ball. So they got some playmakers back, and this was a team that kind of jumped on the scene last year in eight man. They jumped on the scene. Uh, you know, they went eight and one in the regular season. Uh, they had that loss to West Central, which we kind of expected, and it was a big loss. And then when they got in the playoffs, and you know, we all expected Polo to meet them in the uh second or in the quarterfinals, which happened. And I think we were all kind of shocked that it was a closer game than I think any of us really anticipated. But spoke volumes to coach elder and getting his team prepared to, you know, be there and where they needed to be uh, playing wise, you know, and I saw, you know, coach elder in Milledgeville last year uh, for a game on their day off when they were playing, when Milledgeville was playing West central. So, you know, he was able to get some additional scouting in that probably helped them, also have that additional success and like you said with Moriarty Couture and Sandberg back that's definitely a lot of a lot of offensive weapons that we heard a lot about last year as you stated and, and then on the defensive side McKeague did a great job at nose guard last year you expect the same things this year and then having Moriarty and Sandberg at defensive back and linebacker it's almost like Polo with uh Solto and um Avery Grenoble, you know? Yeah. So, so you get some key players at key positions. You have the opportunity to make some noise. And, you know, I feel that this is one of those years where Ridgewood can definitely be one of those teams that is in the mix of things with the Amboys, the Polos, the Milledgevilles, the MCPs, and the West Centrals for that state ranking being towards the top and competing for a state championship. Yeah, absolutely. They're a team that I would peg to be near the top or at the top of their division and a team that we'll be talking about in the eight man playoffs. Let's move down the standings there in the, uh, in the central uh, division here in eight man Galva, the Galva Wildcats were two and seven a year ago. Head coach Mark Jeffrey says they return a lot of starters. He's mentioned they've really done a good job in the weight room and they have improved their speed work. So they've been working on a lot of stuff this offseason. They return Caden Rochelle, a tight end, defensive end. Uh, Alec Gustafson's a junior. He'll be a quarterback and a safety. And Jared O'Brien's a senior linebacker and uh, offensive lineman. So some pieces there for Galva. But like we referenced, they'll be, you know, they're in a tough, you know, battle with Ridgewood and with West Central and a few other teams in the mix there in their division as well. See if they can make a little bit of a push and, you know, get get above that two-win mark. 
Let's move down the way in eight man and let's move into the north side of the divisions in eight man football. Here's where your real bread and butter is, Kyle. Here's here's where you know a lot of teams. Let's get into the Milledgeville Missiles. Seven and four last season, advanced to the quarterfinals, lost to West Central, led once again by head coach Jason Roble. They'll need to replace some big pieces, but they also have Connor Nye back, and it feels like he's been there for 10 years. So he's a good weapon to have if, if you got a guy coming back. Yeah, I mean, he's only thrown for... 2,906 yards and 53 touchdowns to just 10 interceptions over yeah. the last two years with a 57.6% completion percentage. So uh, very good. And then offensively or uh, running the ball, he's ran for over 1,300 yards over the past two years with another 23 touchdowns. So very explosive player. Um, you know, over in the years past, they haven't really used him much on the defensive side. I think for them this year, they're probably going to have to utilize him more on the defensive side so he's gonna have to play both ways i feel for milledgeville to continue to have success but at the same time they're gonna have to you know somewhat be a little bit careful on how they use him because you lose him and you're gonna lose a lot of your offense in a hurry but you know having uh connor johnson returning and micah tom smith those guys are gonna be um some key playmakers that we've seen uh somewhat last season um, not very high on a lot of their stats, but you know, they played some significant minutes and they're going to have to definitely improve and pick up their play and responsibilities for Milledgeville to have success. And then you got Spencer Nye in there. Who's going to have, uh, a, a more opportunities to get more playing time as well. So, um, another guy that they do have coming back to that's not stay on here is Colton Wilk. He'll be another staple along with Bryce McKenna as well for Milledgeville. So, you know, a couple names that Coach Robo kind of left off here, but definitely guys that have a lot of experience, three-year starter type experience that definitely makes Milledgeville look very seasoned compared to a lot of teams. Yep, absolutely. You got to figure that with Connor and I leading the way and with some of these pieces coming back, they'll, they'll be in the mix again. They'll be in the conversation for a, you know, one of the better eight man teams, a playoff type of team. Another team that you expect to be right there in the mix. Polo Polo Marcos were nine and three a year ago, the semifinal loss to West central. I don't think we need to go into it again, because I'm not sure the Polo fans want to hear about it again, but we know, (laughs) (laughs) we know it was a tough loss. They return a lot of good depth numerous players that have you know dedicated themselves to stepping in as starters they i'm impressed with they have a lot of experience returning on the line from last year uh jacob monaco alex albano landon brooks nathan yingling logan nelson that's a lot of line behind brock soltau who comes back who's done dynamic you know is a dynamic playmaker himself so there's a lot of pieces for this polo team coming back for sure yeah, I think a lot of people expect Polo to be right there competing with, you know, Amboy for potentially the top two spots to start off the preseason state rankings. Um, and, and how could you not expect it? I mean, they've only won two state championships and uh, yep. a hard semifinal loss last year that kept them away from a potential another state championship. Um, and like you said, you know, Soto – Soto was the man last year for the Marcos, and he's got to be again this year. 
Um, comes into this season uh, with 3,889 career yards rushing and 63 touchdowns. So as far as the NUIZ presence in eight-man football, he's already the all-time leading rusher in eight-man play for teams out of the NUIC, and he hasn't even set foot on the field for a senior year yet. So that speaks volumes for Brock Solto and what he's done uh, for Polo over the last two years. And they're going to utilize him at the quarterback position, which is something they found later in the season where they started to have more success was just the direct snap to him and then utilize him as basically a running quarterback. But at the same time, you know, he was able to put up uh, – a couple passes here and there to help offset that a little bit through for 202 yards and four touchdowns last year. So yeah, um, good things there, but they're definitely going to need to have more than just Brock. And that's where Delo Fernandez comes in. And I think there was a couple times last year after Grenoble went down with his injury where Delo definitely, uh, uh, stood out quite a bit. He ended up finishing with 525 yards and five touchdowns in the later half of the season uh, in Avery Grenoble's absence. So, um, you know, they're going to need that to be another contributing factor for them to have success. They're not going to be able to rely just on Brock running the ball the entire game. Although I will say what, like you said, that offensive line coming back, expect Brock to be on QB keepers a lot. I mean, heck, we saw it work for uh, Decatur Lutheran last year with Leighton Miller. So, you know, you got Brock Solto doing exactly what Leighton Miller did last year. Yeah, I think that's a recipe for success with the experience you have on that line coming back. So certainly Polo will be a team that will be in that mix. You know, we, like you said, we've always come to expect that. Um, it'll be a tough division and there's a lot of a lot of talented teams and a lot of talent in this in this eight-man division when you're talking about Milledgeville and Polo and Amboy you know if we're talking about the Amboy Clippers they were the state runner-up a year ago they went 10 and 3 on the year they only lost one senior off of last year's state runner-up man you talk about all the pieces being in place this is the team that has all the pieces in place. Well, and like we said at the end of last year, you know, when we finished up with our postseason stuff, we we ended the year stating that Amboy should be the number one team when the preseason state rankings come out in 2023 with the fact that all they lost was Tucker Lindemeyer. And you have Eddie Jones filling back in who got a lot of that experience as a sophomore last year when Tucker was gone. So he knows how to run the offense. He knows what to expect. He's got that varsity play under his belt already. So that nerve system is pretty much gone outside of, you know, just the anticipated levels of getting hit by another team again. But, you know, he's got that experience under his belt. He's got good running backs behind him with Quinn Luffelman and Landon Welchel. And, and Welchel really was the one that stormed on the scene. You know, he wasn't somebody that was really thought about early in the season because, you know, yeah, yeah, you had Luffelman, you had Brennan Blaine being utilized as a as a running back there early in the season. And at the time they still had Kai Cook before he um, he had to leave the team for personal reasons. Um, and, and Welchel just came in out of nowhere and ended up running for almost 1500 yards and 18 touchdowns. So that was a huge 
uh, jolt for Amboy and, and really a pleasant surprise for the Clippers. And um, it's a great place for them to be. And, you know, having Blaine and Leffelman there and then you add in Welcho, you got a killer combination. And be quite honest, that, that's a big one, two, three punch when you take a look at it. And it gives uh, – Coach Payne, a lot of options to do things differently. I mean, again, you know, they have the opportunity to put some different plays into their pocket that they could utilize and kind of throw you off guard with that kind of speed and power. Yeah, I think, you know, we've talked about so much talent and so many, you know, good football teams in this one division, but I think Amboy's got to stand out above the rest just because of, all of the playmakers they have back and because of what they did last year. I mean, like you said, they were a team we'd pegged at the end of last year to be a team to watch and they're right here. You know, now it comes down to executing, right? I mean, it's, it's like we talked about in the Northwest upstate Illini, the 11 man, you know, portion that every Friday you got to show up and you got to be ready to, you know, make the plays and prove it. And so I think that's, what's really exciting about this division of eight man football is there's, a lot of good teams, and, and Amboy is going to be tested. They, they're not going to be able to coast through their division. No, and that's one of the changes that we see, though, too. You know, obviously, we, we recently found out that Leighton Miller transferred from Decatur Unity Christian, which was Decatur Lutheran last year, um, transferred out. So that's going to change that week one game quite significantly. That was going to be a game we yeah. thought would be – number one versus number two to kick off the season. And now it doesn't look like it might necessarily be that way, but still Amboy can't go into that game overlooking Unity Christian. But then you take a look, you know, they do have some good games uh, early on, but really it, it gets tough uh, as you hit week five with Ridgewood. Then you got Milledgeville in week six, and then you got Polo looming in week nine. So, you know, I think they're going to have, a lot of time to get some success under the belts early in the season and, and they'll be able to survive some hiccups. And hopefully by the time they hit week five with Ridgewood, they have that all worked out. We can see them playing and exceeding their uh, expectations and level of play. Yeah. Uh, well, a couple more teams will run through in this division of eight man football, and that'll pretty much wrap us up. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Orangeville Broncos. They had kind of a, an interesting off season where it was a potential co-op with Aquin and then Aquin is not able to field a team. They weren't able to form the co-op and Aquin's not able to field a team. So Orangeville's on their own. What do we know about their numbers and then how, how what's their situation look like? Number wise, they're going to be all right. They'll be able to field a team. Um, obviously they're going to have a new coach in uh, Scott Jones. I have not been able to get in contact with Coach Jones, so I really don't know much of what he has to offer and how his offensive or defensive schemes will look. However, um, they do return Blake Fulgate at running back, and Blake did run for 1,818 yards and 25 touchdowns last year. So they have that to kind of fall back on. And – (laughs) <laughs> excuse me bless you oh man and then uh they they have cody worth back at quarterback too so um 
they're going to have some options there as far as QB and running back uh, with experience. You have Gavin Roth back as well. Um, last year, they tried to utilize him as a fullback. That didn't really go as well as they thought it might. I would expect to see him back on the offensive line uh, this year. So, you know, they're, they're still going to be a, a, a question mark in my opinion. Um, but they should be a little bit better than what we expect. Uh, you have Blake Tyrell, who should be a key contributor uh, coming back, Adam Setterstrom, and Nathan Brinkmeyer as well. So, I mean, like I said, they got some guys uh, there that can make some noise uh, and, and potentially help guide Orangeville back up from their dismal season that they had last year. Um, but definitely a, a hard time for them having to go through some coaching changes so quickly after just having a state runner up two years ago. Yeah, absolutely. They're not too far removed from, you know, a lot of success. So we'll see what they can do. And like we've talked about, it's, it's a tough division. They're in a, you know, they're in a tough spot, you know, with the eight man programs that surround them in their division. So um, one more team to cover in this uh, North division of eight man football in North two, I should say. Uh, River Ridge, they were four and five a year ago. Head coach Doug Nicholas believes athleticism will be one of their strengths. He says they're focused on blocking better on offense and getting off the field defensively. What do you know? What do you like about River Ridge this year? Well, you know, one of the things about River Ridge is something that we saw uh, all season long, whether it be on the football field, the basketball court, or the baseball diamond. They have they have some athletes and they have some speed. Um, playing better and staying focused on blocking is going to be huge. There was a lot of times last year where, you know, if they would have just stayed with their blocks, they were a couple steps away from breaking a touchdown run. But, you know, like coach Nicholas states there, they, they had some opportunities that just went awry because they did not finish plays out. And if they can do that, especially having George winter and Seth Nicholas back there, they have the guys that can break loose and take the ball all the way and uh, create a lot of spark and offense uh, for River Ridge. And, and, you know, it's just one of those things where you hope that all of that can come to fruition and, and really taking a look at where River Ridge is at. They were four and five last year. They had an outside chance to get into the playoffs, just missed it. And, um, you know, this year we're, we're, we're talking about the Wildcats potentially being a top 10 team, uh, in eight man football this year. I mean, there's, there's been a lot of talk about them, you know, kind of being towards the bottom of the top 10, but still breaking in the top 10 nonetheless, and looking at their schedule, you know, they're going to open up with some doozies right out of the gate with Milledgeville and Amboy. So, um, but then they have a couple favorable games in week three and four before they have to hit polo again in week five. And, and then they, they definitely finished the last half of their season with quite a few games that I feel are winnable games for River Ridge, provided that they can definitely improve upon that offensive line play. And, and, and then again, like coach Nicholas says, you got to get off the field defensively. They got to be able to have that physical presence on defense, come up and hit you 
and, and you know get you to punt the ball or make the turnovers happen to give you the ball back on offense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if they're going to be a team that, you know, makes some noise, they're going to have to earn it. Cause like we talked about there, they they'll run into some tough, tough teams along the way, but uh, George Winters, Seth Nicholas, uh, Ben Richmond, Damon Dittmer, some names to watch for with river Ridge. All right. One more team to cover on the eight man ranks. And then we'll wrap this one up. Ashton Franklin Center. They were six and four a year ago. They lost in the first round to Milford Cisna Park. Ben Mershon as the head coach out there. They are in the what they are in the North One division. So they're along with Alden Hebron, Kirkwood, Kirkland Hiawatha, uh, Rockford Christian Life, and South Beloit. So they're kind of the one NUIC NUIC team that's kind of out on their own with a few other teams there in the North one division but um what do you see from afc this year kyle well you know they lose a lot of talent off of last year's team that made the playoffs for the first time since 2005 so that that they're gonna have a lot of holes to fill by the looks of it based off of the information i have they should be returning their two best wide receivers and lane coning and zane murphy the problem is is who you're gonna have throw to them the quarterback that they had last year was a senior um, threw for a lot of yards. Uh, they basically ran a, a, an all-out passing attack t- style offense. So, um, you know, have not been – AFC has been one of those teams that's been hard to get information from. <laughs> I spent a lot of time last year uh, speaking with their athletic director, Tracy Gilson, just to get more information because, you know, she was doing her job of trying to promote her team. And like likewise – they deserved it. I mean, they made it to the playoffs and they did some surprising things, but, uh, um, you know, they, they, they got thumped there in the first round by Milford, Milford Cisna park. And, you know, last year MCP was one of those teams that we felt could compete for a state championship. And, um, they came up short, but they definitely were a powerhouse team and really have been ever since they've been an eight man. So it's no surprise there either but as far as AFC I think we're going to watch them take a step backwards this year I think when you take a look at that north one division you're talking about Hiawatha uh, being at the top or at least second to the top I I feel that they'll be at the top and then you got South Beloit there too and a lot of people are really looking at South Beloit having a huge improvement this year so um, AFC schedule you know doesn't bode very well either I mean, they got non-conference games with River Ridge, Amboy, uh, Pawnee. So those are some teams that, like I said, we expect those teams to be state-ranked and talked about being in the state rankings all throughout the course of the season. Um, and then you still have some other games that, like South Beloit's another one, and then Hiawatha as well. So, I mean, that's five games right there. We're already talking about AFC probably being on the the, the negative side of the win column. So. Um, you know, their, their work's cut out for them. Anything's possible. You just got to be able to show up and play. But like I said, they got a lot of holes to fill. They had a lot of senior talent that's no longer there. Yep. Well, there you go, Kyle. That's the eight man. That's the NUIC 11 man. We've covered, we've covered all the teams in our area, I believe. So, uh, yeah. Thank you for joining us this week. Are, are, are you ready? Are you all, uh, you know, you got all your notes, obviously you're, you're ready to go here. I, I'm getting ready for sure. I, I did have all my notes ready to go. I, I haven't really been too active here, um, but starting to get there, definitely. Well, um, you 
you just got back from like a, a baseball Midwest tour, right? I should have talked to you about that in the beginning. Yeah, sure did. It was awesome. I uh, w- was able to pick up uh, the entire National League Central in three different cities. So that was a lot of fun. That's amazing. Yeah. And you made a stop at the Field of Dreams at the end of it. So sure did. You got to stop at the Field of Dreams. Every that's now, awesome. Man. Yeah, that's great. That was cool. I was I was following along on Twitter. That was a, that's an excellent road trip, man. So it was definitely a blast. Uh, it was something that we needed to do to uh, kind of unwind. Yeah. Uh, put an end to baseball season, although I really not. I, I got a lot of things going on with uh, weightlifting and open gyms and whatnot. But outside of that, yes, we're ready for football season. Um, you know, vacation's over. Football season officially started, uh, what, yesterday? So yep. let's go. Let's go. Yep. We got 17 weeks of this. Let's do it. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm ready. And, of course, we'll cap off the season uh, well, not the season. We'll cap off the regular season, uh, hopefully once again at your house for a playoff preview show, which will go live on YouTube. If that's the plan again, I think three years running now, I'll plan to be out there. So that that's absolutely the plan. And, you know, we already got that date marked for October 21st at 7 p.m. So I love it. I love it. Well, for anyone we've been listening to this whole time, Follow if you're not already. Follow NUIC football at NUIC football on Twitter. You can find NUIC football on Facebook as well. A source of tons of great information about all the teams we've just talked about throughout the season. So, Kyle, thank you for being here because, you, you know, Mitch never made it. So he's having a great time in Dallas. So he, he missed out on this one. He sure did. I think he I think he knew he wasn't going to make it, but (laughs) Hey, I appreciate you having me on. I always enjoy uh, collaborating with you guys and it's, it's always fun being able to talk football. Yep. I love it. So Mitch will be back later this week for our Lincoln land conference preview that should come out on Friday. We kind of got a day behind here. It was, it was a whole thing. Mitch was traveling. I ended up with a stomach flu. So I, I wasn't going to pull a Michael Jordan flu game and try to podcast through it. It wasn't going to work. So I, I had to call the audible, but anyway, we'll get the Lincoln land conference preview later this week. Next week will be the three rivers conference. Then down the way, we'll also have the Western big six preview with the guys from WQAD and we're also going to bring in Matt Shuckman from down in Quincy to give us his perspective as well before we go I do once again want to thank our sponsor at Breedlove Sporting Goods Western Illinois premier sporting goods store for uniforms apparel equipment awards online team store with a primary focus on the western side of the state Breedlove Sporting Goods is the fastest way to outfit your team find them on Facebook or at breedlovesports.com and yes, Kyle, before we go, your shirt is amazing. We got to talk about this. So we talked way long time ago about Gage Dunker, who is a uh, running back senior at Lena Winslow. His brother, Jennings Dunker, is now at Iowa. And man, he is he is making a name for himself in maybe the most unique way possible. Yeah, I mean, he's two-time Hay Bell King at the <laughs> Solon Hay Bell Toss. That's uh, right, the Solon... Solon yeah. hay bale toss every year and he's a two-time defending champion now and, and and now the record holder with the highest throw wow so your shirt a is a record shirt is a ray gun shirt that's with a big hay bale in the middle and a 67 is number i cheer for the hay bale king i love it talk yeah, about repping absolutely repping the nuic that's great well so. and he's right now he's iowa has him slated to start at right tackle to start the year so that's even better 
they, hey, there you go. Yeah, he's going to make an impact on the field as well. I mean, we've seen his strength, you know, with the hay bales. So, you... <laughs> oh. yeah, huge strength, huge strength. <laughs> All right, Kyle. Well, we will definitely be in touch. We'll be interacting on Twitter for sure. Once again, thank you for being here. And uh, to everyone listening, stay tuned. Keep listening to our previews. And before you know it, we're going to be talking about the games, the real thing. So I can't wait. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, viewfromwestpod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.